Greetings, friends. Glad to be here with you this beautiful Monday, uh, December 18th. Sam Marjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Friends, what a weekend. Oh, my gosh. I, um, well, I'll fill you in later, honestly, but I'm, I'm just, number of stories happened started popping just after we went off air on Friday. And of course, some of this is um, uh, some some pretty high-level bizarro stuff, to be perfectly blunt. For example, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out, frankly, where, uh, where all this is uh, coming from, why it's all leaking out now, I have a suspicion. But uh, there was a... Uh, video over the weekend that apparently had already existed on the internet but had somehow garnered mainstream attention. That of a staffer, a Senate staffer, engaging in, well, gay sexual intercourse inside the main Senate hearing room in the Hart Office Building. This is a very important room, and it's uh, most important thing, it's it's identifiable, okay? You the People in Washington know what this room is, so presumably if they've seen the video, they would very quickly be able to identify where the, bill, where the video was filmed and then, you know, be quite easy then to trace it to the person who filmed it. Now, I don't really... That's the point of this is it's a clearly in poor taste and... Um, and inappropriate to do something like this, whether it's gay or straight. That's not really my point. I I just want to pass along an observation. The entire weekend, as this is being reported in the media, and it did. It hit it hit the mainstream press. Okay, it was it was out there. At no point, at no point did any headline identify the political party of the aide who has been fired from his position, who is featured in the video, and and the senator that he works for, his political party. I'm telling you, well, that's because, folks, they were uh, all Democrats. That's the, that's the rub. Ben Cardin, you know, I believe he's on his way out uh, of, his, um, of his position. He's not running for re-election. Um, yeah, Senator Cardin, this was an aide to him. I think his name is pronounced Aiden Mays-Soropsky. Uh, it's, a, it's a hyphenated last name. And, uh, you know, so he, by the way, he, the aide who, was, who did this thing, who, I, well, he, he had, had relations in a, a, a public room uh, on Capitol Hill, filmed it posted it, right, as playing the victim. He wrote on Twitter that this has been a difficult time for me as I have been attacked for who I love to pursue a political agenda. While some of my actions in the past may have shown poor judgments, I love my job and would never disrespect my workplace. Pal, you... um. <clears throat> 
You, uh, you did some dirty things inside a public room in the Capitol. I think it's pretty disrespectful. And again, I would make the same argument if it was gay, if it was straight, if it was whatever. I mean, it, the, this is not appropriate. So I don't think it has anything to do with a political agenda. I think the only place where you saw a political agenda, the only place you saw a political agenda is, is in the reporting of the story. Because the mainstream media, they just – they handled the whole thing with such kid gloves. Oh, what is this? What is this? A business insider. Senator announces staffer no longer works for him following emergence of X-rated video showing sex in famous Congress hearing room. Again, I'll ask the question. If this was Lindsey Graham's aide, and no, I'm not mentioning Lindsey because um, – yeah, no, no, no. Anybody, any, fill in the blank Republican. The, 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 you, you and I both know the headline of, um, yeah, uh, the headline of the story would be, of course, Republican staffer, dot, 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 right? Now, the Capitol Police are investigating this because, of course, perhaps a crime was committed. Uh, could be as low as simply a trespass if the room was. Locked up, and this person had access and entered it for reasons not related to his official work duties. Now, I don't think it's going to – folks, I don't – let me tell you something. It's not going to go anywhere. He might get a fine. He might something, whatever, $1,000 fine, uh, you know, could be, could be fined under one of the code sections. Here's the, here's, the, here's the question I have. Ever since a couple weeks ago – uh, Congressman um, George Santos, the Long Island f- uh, fabulist, as has been called, was removed. He's been he's been threatening that he will uh, cause problems in Congress. Now he's particularly focused his ire on Republicans that were co- uh, former colleagues of his that voted for his ouster, right? Because remember, a lot of Republicans came down on the side of getting rid of Congressman Santos. And Santos is – listen, the guy under uh, indictment, there's some uh, serious allegations of misuse of campaign funds. Uh, and also, remember, he's a guy that really you don't know much about his actual story because he's made a lot of stuff up. My argument with the – with his, uh, with his uh, censure and removal from Congress is, is you know, again, the, the accusation itself, the investigation internally – Charges filed, but no conviction. Concerned about due process and precedent. But understand, too, that Republicans who are running in vulnerable races, particularly those Republicans that barely eked across the finish line uh, last cycle in uh, 2020, excuse me, in 22, uh, who barely crossed the finish line, uh, mostly because of Lee Zeldin who is a just an absolute firebrand guy, stand-up guy, ran for ran for uh, uh, uh he ran for governor in New York and did phenomenally well, outperformed all expectations, came within a few points of toppling Kathy Hochul out there and of course Hochul is a uh she came in. She was uh, the uh, lieutenant governor when uh, Andy Randy Andy Cuomo was booted. So you know, this was uh, – Hochul was – yes, I know. Hochul had some uh, some risk of getting deposed. Nonetheless, a Republican winning statewide, uh, virtually unthinkable that he came so close. 
uh, is is remarkable, not just for Lee Zeldin, but also ended up helping boosting a number of Republicans who ran in those races. And they're worried, frankly, that in 24, mere two years later, without Zeldin on the ticket, with Trump perhaps and whatnot, bit of a headwind in New York, that they will lose their seats. And so they, they're eager to you know basically go on the record and say they're not having any of these shenanigans. So why is all this uh, relevant? I think, I predict, folks, we're going to find out that some of this controversy over this video is... I think, I believe, in my opinion, humble opinion, that it's all coming out because of of George Santos. He's he's threatened to out stuff going on in Congress. Now, he's a, he's a gay congressman, or allegedly he's gay, even though he may have a wife, whatnot. Very bizarre stuff. So he presumably might have been aware of some of this stuff and, and, and leaked it to a friendly reporter. Expect some stuff to go down. That's all I'm saying. And uh, if he's smart, he'll leak it out over time and, and not, not dump it all just before the holidays when people tune out. It's just uh, – again, I'm, I'm interested in it from the uneven reporting perspective. Now, the other story that I saw over the weekend, I got to roll my sleeves up on this a little bit. I don't know if you have been picking up on something that Trump is doing right now. Trump is quietly leaking out, selectively leaking out stories to the media about potential running mates. And he's doing this to... I'll tell you honestly, it's it's to test the waters and see what the media reaction is, and also to see kind of what the you know the Twitter reaction is from various thought leaders, um, and um, engage from that, assess from that the um, you know the 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 that's what he does. I mean, he he floats these things. He wants to see what the reaction is. So the one over the weekend was Nikki Haley, and it's. It was. It came out so strongly, and and from such credible sources, and the people that were in on it said this was all but a done deal. I need to address this when we come back. See, I just put that away here in the back of your minds, and let's talk it through: the good, bad, and the ugly. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk eight forty KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve. What's right? If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, Sam Rajovsky here. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Pleased to have you with us. Okay, so Nikki Haley being floated as a possible veep for... Uh, a Trump, uh, you know, general election campaign. Uh, so, you know, this is this is what generally, you know, people once they've got the the nomination stitched up, they start to, you know, they start to look toward the general election and figure out who's going to be their vice president, their uh, running mate. Uh, to well, a couple of things. One, you're looking for somebody who adds some electoral value. You want somebody from a state that might be a little bit difficult to carry. You want somebody maybe from a state that has a big pot of electoral votes where the running mate potentially has sway. 
The second thing you obviously look for is who's your, you know, who's a good number two? Who's a good wingman? Who is, um, who's going to be a solid partner for you in your presidency? Now, everybody around you is worried about, you know, the person's qualifications in case you, you drop dead. When you're president, you're not necessarily worried about you dropping dead because that's not going to be so much your concern. You're worried about who's going to back you up, not stab you in the back. And um, and I think finally, you're, the consideration is a little bit who you're setting this person up. If 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 your term in office or your two terms in office are successful, and you've had your running mate there by your side from the from you know from go. This person is sort of lined up to become your heir apparent. Think of George H.W. Bush and Ronald Reagan. So the person that you're sort of teeing up in that in that job um, it has potential to become president in their own right and is someone who the party has to have some confidence and to get, you know, things across the finish line one of the first i'm going to say this because particularly on that last point one of the first uh names i heard kind of dropped and and leaked by team trump as far as running mates were concerned um yeah but who was it robbie um ben carson was the first one now i like ben carson ben carson's a great guy Ben Carson also does not inspire a tremendous amount of leadership confidence, okay? Can I just tell you that? He may get along with Trump. He may be a solid human being. He may be a lovely guy. He's 72 years old, and he's a little – he comes across – can we be honest? He comes across as a little bit dopey, and I think that was the – that must have been – I didn't follow it very closely, but I think that must have been the response because then Ben Carson faded away and a couple other names sort of briefly went into play. But this weekend from some uh, it's a clearly well-connected sources, so people that deliberately put this out there is my point, began saying that Team Trump was considering Nikki Haley. Now – well, you want to know Nikki Haley's response to this? That was the funny part. Nikki Haley's response was in so many words to say hell no and begin slamming Trump. That's that's that was her response because I I think they're testing it one. I think they're testing the reaction from folks to, to proposing the name Nikki Haley. I, I do. I think Team Trump is um, testing it. They're also looking to cut her off at the knees. See, it's not always obvious what these people are doing. It, well, look, if, if, if Nikki Haley is the right now the anointed ascendant Trump slayer, which I, I don't think she is a Trump slayer, but I think she's definitely been – selected by a number of influential people and top mega donors to go out there and take Trump out. I think that's that's absolutely a fair characterization. So if you've got somebody like that who's sort of nipping at your heels, co-opt them. Or better yet, put it into people's minds considering that person to be your top number two person, and suddenly you've diminished them. They're no longer a contendant to be you. 
They're a contendant to be your sidekick. That's that's the rub. That's the, that's the frame, right? Now, there's another component of it that we have to sort of get into here, and I'm just up against a break again, but that is what if this is a serious con- you know, consideration by Team Trump? Yes. Let me answer this first. Yes. Trump is just shallow enough to go for Haley because, remember, that's why he put her in the U.N. to begin with. He put her in there because he he liked – he liked, look, she's an attractive, uh, professional-looking gal who's – uh, well spoken, and and you know, and the media loves her, and Trump loves that the media loves her. He loves that, so he sees he's his in his thinking. Okay, there are a lot of plus sides to Nikki Haley. Now, my reaction to it is of total and utter disgust because I know. Listen, I I have a number of 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 close. Republican friends who absolutely adore Nikki Haley. They think Nikki Haley is amazing and, and, and put her in their, let's say, their top three box as they're considering, you know, what, you know, who, who they'd like to see become president. And I, I can't, you know, I, I, I'm not going to talk those folks out of this other than to say that Nikki Haley to me is a wishy washy rhino. Nikki Haley lost me at, her capitulation on the uh, South uh, Carolina flag, okay? Oh, it has some racist elements to it. It's got, it's got the stars and bars. Out it went. Might as well be a Democrat at this point. But it's much more than that, right? She's just not, she doesn't have it. She's not the person I want to have be set up to take over for Trump. Trump has, if Trump is elected, if he's, I'm going to make a correction there, if he is reelected, why is that important? Well, he reelected, he only will have four years. Best case scenario. So in spite of all the hand-wringing that Trump is going to seize power with the military and become the dictator for life of the United States of America, it's not going to happen. Trump's going to be in for a max four years, and then, and then, whoever his vice president is is there is is in the queue to become the leading Republican going into twenty twenty eight. To waste that anointment on Nikki Haley, uh, I think is it would be tragic. Setting aside, of course, the fact that I think you're treading into the same kind of territory as the Democrats did by putting in Kamala Harris. Oh, but she's a woman. Oh, but she's a minority. Oh, but she looks good. Oh, but everybody loves her. Blah, 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 blah. And then I had another thought. I'm going to share that. I don't have time. I gotta, I, we got to take a quick break. But I, I'm telling you, I had another thought about this as I try to consider all sides of the issue and look beyond the immediate headline. I'll tell you what that is when we come back. Sam Merjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian host of The Woods Right Show. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Mm-hmm. 
Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Well, here's an example of something as early as last week. Uh, uh, Laura Trump, you know, she's married to Eric Trump, uh, saying uh, her reaction to the idea of South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley becoming Trump's running mate. She said crazier things have happened. I don't know, but I would never say never with Donald J. Trump. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Oh, I'm getting an email here. Uh, question, right? So by the way, email sam at salmonashlaw.com, sam at salmonashlaw.com. Question from Michael is, uh, would Nikki Haley even take the job? Uh, yes. <laughs> of course. What Republican wouldn't take a vice presidential position? I mean, no, there's a chance, of course, where people are going to say no, which is part of my thinking in all of this. See, I think, uh, I, I think that actually teaming up with Trump could, uh, well, it could, it, it could go either way. What if it absolutely dooms her? Because Nikki Haley doesn't have her own substance. This is my point. Nikki Haley's sort of a a, a, a vacuous person. She's she likes to please. Okay, this is why she says idiotic things like, "Oh, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy has a has a woman problem, right?" This is this is parroting things that you know her media friends are telling her, and so she's repeating it. It's stupid. You do not run for president, uh, particularly as a Republican, complaining about people attacking you because of your gender. The last Democrat woman to run that way, it did not. And very well for her. And here's looking at you, Hillary. So I'm just I'm just saying that that because she is a bit of a pleaser, it could uh, create some problems for her. What kind of problems? Well, it look. I mean, four years of Trump, uh, years. Well, by the way, it's the next four years, right? So this would be years. We'll call it technically, you know, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, could be a wild ride. I mean, just think about it for a minute. If Trump wins, the animus that you saw against him, launched at him in his first term, beginning in 2017, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it'll, that will pale in comparison to what they will pull out in 2025. Because, of course, you know, the election happens in 24, and he would be sworn in in, in January of the following year. I mean, it's it's going to be it is going to be spectacular. So, in all of that, are they going to come after her as well? Of course. Is whatever craziness to ensue? Is there a risk of that tainting her? Uh yeah, definitely. So, could it doom her uh, forever and ever? Uh, kind of the same way. Listen, kind of the same way as. Uh, Pence is done, right? Pence is you could you can write the postmortem now. The ink is dry. Pence is never going to become president. He's 
he's just it's it's it, what transpired during that term and how it ended, and then the the the, the fallout from it is it's just he's not he, he well maybe he could run as a run as a Democrat somewhere, but he's never winning a a national Republican contest. So in that way, it could it could it could doom uh, it could doom Nikki Haley. Now people are they are they continue to say how she's rising in the polls. Let me say something here. One of the things that is going to be fascinating, as, and I say this as we sit here past the halfway mark in December. So we are, you know, next month we have some of the first uh, primaries, and things are going to get wildly interesting. One of the things that's going to happen is. These caucus states like Iowa, I'm just going to predict something here and now. The results are not going to mirror all of the various polls that have been out there. I mean, let's look at, for example, let's look at today's, well, I had this here somewhere, one second. I had the today's polls up a moment ago, so let's look at it. Today, Monday, uh, no, we had just President Biden approval ratings, which, by, by the way, <laughs> they're terrible. They're terrible, and that's why Obama's going out there saying, "I think, I think Joe could lose this." Uh, but yeah, Biden, according to Rasmussen, is disapproved plus twelve. Monmouth, Monmouth has his disapproved by twenty four points. <laughs> so. It's terrible. Let's see what came out of it. I had one over here that I was going to highlight, and I thought it was an Iowa poll. But let's get the the Republican. Okay, so here's one Fox News. Fox News over the weekend. Uh, this is a national poll, kind of where everybody's lined up on the Republican side. Trump 69, DeSantis 12, Haley 9, Ramaswamy 5, Christie 2. You get it. Okay, Bergham's. Not registering, of course, he's also out of the race. So, uh, what I'm getting at is, I don't think I think that Iowa will prove surprising in how it turns out. Trump may win it; that that's probably likely. I don't think that Nikki Haley's going to come out doing uh, 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 having amazing results. Is my point. It's going to be interesting. Well, we'll see. She's not going to do great in Nevada. She's not going to – maybe New Hampshire, right? New Hampshire Republicans are kind of establishment, so she may do well in New Hampshire. But it's uh, – Iowa's going to be an interesting deal. And 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 people always ask, well, why is Iowa relevant? It's just a handful of votes. Well, th- these early states are are very critical to gaining a certain amount of momentum. If you can win or come in a close second against Trump in in today's in this 2024 cycle as a Republican, you've got now you've got some game. Now you've got some credibility. I wouldn't sleep on Ramaswamy, folks. That's one of my that's one that's one little notice I need to give here. And the reason for it is whether you love him or hate him, he's out there out hustling every single other candidate. He bought – he literally, I think, bought a house or rented a house in the state, and he is there. He is living there on the ground, and he's going – he's grassroots, and he's going to every school, every community center. He's going he, – he'll go to – he'll go and talk to 25 people. 
He'll talk to 50 people. His crowds are growing now, but but you get the point. He's out there doing retail campaigning, and he's very good at it. So, and he's winning people over. I saw one over the weekend. He did a thing on AI. He was answering a question. Some kid asks him about AI and the future of AI and what concerns him about it. Ramaswamy, yeah, says, and he's he's like having a little bit of a milkshake as he's talking. And then he, his little, his wife is there with their, their, you know, toddler boy holding the toddler in her arms, and he lets him have a little bit of the milkshake, and it just listen. He's not doing anything. This is not. He's doing all this on purpose. It's all, it's all choreographed. But he's doing, he's doing it. Uh, it was brilliant. I mean, it was some fine campaigning. I'll tell you that. And the answer, of course, that he gave was so brilliant and so spot on. That. Uh, it just what you could see was winning the room over. Well, in a caucus, you got to get people fired up. You got to get the grassroots fired up. You got to get people to show up, hang out, and stay and and not one stand their ground for their candidate and not get persuaded to. You know, it's like a big you know gym somewhere, and they, they you know they they you have people set up at different tables. You got the Trump table and the DeSantis table and the Haley table and the Ramaswamy table. Depends on the setup, but I'm just giving painting a picture here. And they go around, they try to convince each other as to as to why their candidate is is better. And they'll they'll literally try to you know get you know, as people walk into the room and go in caucus, they'll try to attract people to their to their camps. Well, you, if you've got people that are fired up and have had a lot of FaceTime, you know, one on one time, not not the Apple program, but you know, me one on one time. You know, in person with their candidate, then those people are 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 believers, right? Those people come across; they're going to be very persuasive. And I say, so I say, advantage to anyone with ground game and anyone who is personable, you know, one on one. And and I've, you know, I can tell you, Ramaswamy does that. The other person, of course, who does that is Donald Trump. You can't underestimate it. Uh, yeah. So Nikki Haley, I I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know where she lies, somewhere probably in the middle. And unfortunately, because I like him, I don't I don't know where I don't I don't think that um, DeSantis. Maybe his wife is good at it, better than it at it than he is. But DeSantis is not particularly strong. He comes across as a bit aloof. So things are going to – folks, the, 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 the 2024 race is heating up. I mean we keep talking about it. We've spoken about it all year. And here we are, second half of December, and it's right around the corner. And this against a backdrop of all these tawdry things coming out of Congress and – oh, yeah, well, you know, yes, and, and a new speaker, on the, on the, you know, new Republican speaker, and, and, a, and a razor-thin, literally, I mean, one-person majority there in, in Congress. It's wild. Man, I, I tell you, the 2024. If it's not, if you don't think it's going to be an exciting year, I, you haven't you haven't had your eyes open. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, will continue after this. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. Sam Rajofsky here. All right. Back here behind the What's Right Show microphone. 
All right, here we go. All right, so we were just before the break here uh, talking about the state of the election coming into uh, 2024 and the calendar. Uh, it's it's coming up, and this is why you see this frenetic activity uh, by all these candidates in these early voting states. It's a big deal. And uh, and they're they're gearing up for this. All right, welcome back. Uh, you're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. A story today that I think is going to be part of the conversation going into this race. I there's a big company, U.S. Steel, famed American company. They um, valued at 15 billion dollars, just got bought out by a Japanese conglomerate. This is um, yeah, $14.1 billion deal, uh, and, uh, and there it is. We're selling everything in our country <laughs> that, has, uh, that has any strategic value. The controversy, by the way, uh, began long ago when not just farmland but other industries were sold to foreign buyers. Most, com- most countries, folks, are fairly protectionistic. Of their key industries. They are. Now, the CEO of U.S. Steel said, We're confident that this combination is truly best for us. Today's announcement also benefits the United States, ensuring competitive domestic steel industry while strengthening our presence globally. Uh, it's getting it's getting it's getting criticized. You know, what happens when we have a crisis in this country, for example, a conflict, and we need to ramp up production. We need to do more to build, for example, ships or, uh, uh, or, or other you know, uh, military equipment. And all of a sudden, we have, uh, we have foreign-owned companies. What if these companies are owned not by Japan, but by, for example, some of these companies by China? That's that is that's a major problem. So that's what one of the one of the criticisms I I know people like Fetterman are out there criticizing the the labor component of it, which I think is significant too. I think our our, our quickness to outsource so much in this country has has led to um, some issues. But but nonetheless, I think this is a, a problem here. So we'll. We'll see if we'll follow this and see where it gets there. Uh, gets gets us. By the way, the story I really want to get to here. Uh, another absolutely devastating thing where we're selling out this country. Did you see this monument, the reconciliation monument at Arlington? It's coming down. They're taking it down. Team Biden is taking down the reconciliation monument. Now it was built a hundred and nine years ago, and the entire purpose of the monument is to honor reconciliation right it it says on it etched in stone it commemorates reconciliation and national unity none of this it's not a it's not a memorial to the confederacy it's a memorial to the healing powers that followed our civil war who ordered this, by the way, this is because Arlington's under the purview of the Pentagon. So Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, uh, is behind this. He so far has renamed nine military bases. Do you all remember? 
Do you all remember uh, when Trump told us that it would not end with just Confederate statues? That the left would continue to change, to go after and change history? Remember that? So I'm just I'm pointing out that it, 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 it's, it's in play. It's happening. It's literally happening. So when this came down over the weekend, they were hoping uh, it would not get a lot of notice. But it, it, it didn't – by the way, U.S. Uh, uh, president, former president, and famous Union Civil War general Ulysses S. Grant um, had a personal view of reconciliation following the war. When he chose his pallbearers – you know this about his funeral. When he chose his pallbearers, uh, he chose not only Union generals but also Confederate generals, General Buckner and General Johnson. Union and Confederate officers rode in the funeral procession for Grant. When he died, uh, a newspaper at the time wrote that Grant did not need to be remembered in pictures, prose, or poetry because the Union is his monument. What fascinates me about this is, of course, I think this is precisely why they're taking it down because the leftists, the radical democratic socialists that are in charge right now, don't want us to be unified. They want disunity. They don't want to bring the country together. They want us fractured. They want us they want us fighting each other. They want us they want us absolutely at odds with each other. That's why they want to divide everybody up into little groups and saying, well, you people, you're over there and, and, and you're over here and, and you guys don't like each other and you need what? You need us, the politicians, you need us, the government, to maintain order and to keep the peace and make sure that your interests are, uh, are met, which, of course, is not how the system ought to work. We ought to absolutely live in a, in a place where we're – well, not just – no, it's not just about unity. It's not just that. It's – right, when people, are, when people are fighting, they're distracted from everything else, right? They're less likely to hold government accountable. So what – one of the benefits of having everybody fighting and one of the benefits of having a less perfect union in this country is that the politicians that – well, those that propagate this are also more likely to – not be held accountable by people who are distracted by all this going on. The National Park Service on the day of Grant's funeral described it as a final triumphant end to the national drama begun by the Civil War, as well as a day to praise Grant's role in preserving the Union. And so that reconciliation monument that just came down was a, a physical manifestation of this, right? Right? And it's absolutely um, atrocious that it's been taken down. I, 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 I just – I hope that these wrongs can be righted. All right, folks, got to take a quick break here. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Uh, as per usual, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. I'll be back for another hour here in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. We will be back. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to salmonashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Oh, this is fun. 
<laughs> Another new state flag. Uh, I guess Minnesota telling Nikki Haley, hold my beer. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. This is wild. So Minnesota is changing its flag from its uh, old state steel a a seal, kind of a uh, – well, it's a it's a pictorial thing in there. It's a kind of a typical state flag to a a flag that I guess has some stars on it. Uh, well, it has a star, has a has some stripes, and um, let's see, let's see it. Well, it's it looks what is this? It looks like a little bit like the Somalian flag. In fact, uh, Lakin, we got to put this up on Twitter. This is, it, it's almost identical. I mean, I can say I, I almost. It, it's its a, at first blush, if you kind of look at one and look at the other, why would it be Somali? Well, funny you should ask. The largest grouping or concentration of Somalians living anywhere outside of Somalia happens to be in Minnesota. I give you as exhibit A, Ilhan Omar. Okay, so this is um, th- this is just. I mean, well, <laughs> let's see. Um, uh, I'm not sure if this is passed. Do we know if this is passed? If this has actually been approved? I I really I really hope this is a gag. All right, folks, welcome to the program again. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk eight forty KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, this to me is this to me is perplexing. Why is it? Why is it that the left is so intent on taking down any and all connections with our past? What's the need to rebrand? Why dump these monuments? Why dump these flags? Why remake and redo history from the ground up? Well, the first thing that revolutionaries like to do, folks, is they want to separate us from our history so it all can be rewritten. They all can be rewritten from year zero. That's what they like. They want the first year of the revolution to be the beginning of time. And this is, by the way, precisely what totalitarian states do. They'll create they'll, – they'll summarize everything before the regime in a few short sentences that are not particularly flattering. And then begin anew writing a history that has been what? That has been not just – it's not a sanitized history. It is a fiction that is put in place by the state. If you have a fiction that you yourself have created, don't you hold all the power? Don't you have all the cards? Mrs. If you go to North Korea, I have not been, but I have it on good authority, looking at all the pictures in the video and studying it very closely. There are no statues, monuments, street names, or anything commemorating uh, anybody, anything. From you know any time before the uh, the 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 Kim uh, communist family dynasty seized control, the beginning of history essentially begins with the founding of DPRK, and that's it. This is I think this is what bothers me so much about these civil war monuments coming down is because 
uh, well, for example, the left today, a lot of people will say racism has never been worse in this country than it is now. Systematic racism, right, is is permeating everything in our society and destroying us from within. And it's just the worst, and it's awful. It's terrible, and our country is so divided that it's never been more divided. You know, I even know people who are, you know, kind of middle of the road or kind of wishy washy conservatives. Republicans, whatever, who tell me that this country's never been more divided. And I look at them and I go, what the hell are you smoking? Never been more divided. There are a few hundred thousand people dead in the Civil War would would beg to differ with you, sir. It's just absurd, right? It's an absurd, reductive statement that has no bearing, uh, uh, no, no historical foundation. But that's precisely it. People aren't learning history anymore. They're not opening any books on history. These libraries are being flooded with gay pornography. I mean, that's what they want, right? In our kids' schools, they're learning about, about, they're trying to figure out what gender they are instead of figuring out our nation's history, learning that once upon a time, we almost came apart over the righteous cause to end slavery, to end that enormously ugly black mark in our in our nation's history and that Americans on both sides died but in the end what happened we put it back together and we put it back together the right way good prevailed it didn't erase racism it didn't erase bigotry overnight that took time yes and it culminated in the civil rights movement where we had an inspirational civil rights leader tell us what he wanted. And he wanted a world where we would be seen for the contents of our characters, not for the color of our skin. And so we fast forward 50 years, and where is the American left's zeitgeist now? Firmly embedded in tribalism, in racial identity, obsessing over immutable characteristics, gender identity, and the like. And it's all intended, right, to divide, sure. And I'm worried that people, you know, if, if we if – you, if you visit D.C. and you, you slowly don't – you can't even contemplate a, a monument like the unity uh, – Reconciliation Monument at Arlington because they've taken it down because it's inconvenient to the narrative that they're pushing. It is, as we call it, an inconvenient truth. It's funny. You go to uh, great American cities, and when you uh, get to a place where you can step over the human feces and and move past the uh, uh, drug-addled, barely breathing, living corpses of the homeless population… Uh, and you stumble upon these great buildings. A lot of them are open to the public now, or were always open to the public. And you read the names on these great buildings. You read names you f- you're familiar with, right? Some less so. But you start to look up the names. You start to think about who these people were that built these buildings pro bono publico, as, as, as they say in Latin, for the benefit of the public. And you think about that. You think about these great men 
who paid enormous sums of their own wealth to leave something behind for the public. Now, some of these buildings that are public buildings have slowly had these great men stripped from them because, of course, it's inconvenient that these great men or white men, perhaps politically they committed some sin way long before uh, ever such an action would be considered to be to be inappropriate now by today's standards we're revisiting all that but we're also we're also what i mean so so in in, in doing so we're we're whitewashing over the fact and we're 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 eradicating the history of of what of of the enormous public generosity that the so-called for example the so-called robber barons what they did for this country, how they built it up. Man, cities like Chicago and New York wouldn't have anything for the Dems to pilfer if it weren't for these robber barons. There would be, there would be no wealth to destroy if it weren't for these people. That's my other, that's my other, that's the other thing I find very irksome. So I, you know, we, we, I, I, we're just in a place right now. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing. They, they don't want, they do not want us to be reminded of anything. And that's by Lloyd Austin, who's the defense secretary, is taking down this monument in in Arlington. I'm convinced. I am convinced, folks, that part of this, part of this is, is you know, you, you can't, you can't have a reconciliation monument from the Civil War. You can't draw attention to the fact that. Americans fought Americans to end slavery and then spent years working to mend fences that former foes joined funeral processions for their – for for the for the man in 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 Grant's case, President Ulysses S. Grant, in the case of his funeral, had as I mentioned earlier, had his adversaries had Confederate generals as pallbearers. That national healing, that is precisely what we ought to be tapping right now. That's what we need more of. And beware of any false prophet that comes along and tells you what a terrible place this is and how divided we are and how much racism there is and how much all this and and those are the by the way, those are the same people then that are telling you how we need to give reparations to, to folks and how, how you know DEI is the necessity to um, to split everybody up into little groups based on the color of their skin. Martin Luther King would be rolling in his grave. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, you're listening to The What's Right Show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Well, this is uh, another thing that's heating up locally. I want to mention this because apparently the Clark County Commission will vote on an ordinance that would ban people from stopping on publicly funded pedestrian bridges on the Strip. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Okay, this is in addition to, just so we all understand each other, this is in addition to a previous uh, ordinance 
uh, that was uh, a mandate from a recently passed Senate bill that mandates that by October 15, cities and counties must create ordinances to ban street vendors from within 1,500 feet of resorts and casinos. That's a separate deal. This is literally people who stop on walkways. They're going to consider it in January. Let me tell you Let me tell you why this is a problem because you're going to see this in the news. People are going to talk about it. It's going to maybe even become a national news story. Um, this is not targeting you or me, all right? If I stop to take a picture of a, um, a selfie of myself with the, um, let's say, uh, on, on the bridge there over Las Vegas Boulevard with the uh, Bellagio Fountains or the uh, Eiffel Tower behind me, that's – that police are not going to come up to you and, and, and arrest you for that. This is all the obnoxious people who set up their – I don't know what – well, they've got – they're sitting there begging. They're sitting there with their dogs. They're sitting there, and, and some of them are not homeless or begging. They're just passed out uh, because they went a little too hard in Las Vegas. Um, this is the this is the people who set up the boom boxes and are lip syncing to uh, some 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 gosh awful music. Ashley and I were texting about this today. My law partner at Sam and Ash Injury Law was saying, "Well, I think I think this is." The reason the people behind this are all the restaurants now that are opening outdoor patios. It's a new thing, or a I would say a relatively new thing, and it's 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 um, like okay, like uh, over by uh, Crystals, Harmon, and, and Las Vegas Boulevard. Well, they just added a new shopping center behind it, behind Crystals, and um, yeah, literally on the corner of Harmon. And Las Vegas Boulevard, and there's a, a, a luxury restaurant up upstairs, Steakhouse, uh, Ocean's Prime, I think is the name, and they have a, a large outdoor patio. So you want to be out there having a $200 meal and listening to somebody playing their uh, Home Depot, uh, you know, uh, what is it, uh, <laughs> Home Depot bongos. <laughs> got the, yeah, the, the, yes, the, the, the pails. Turned upside down, sitting there on that elevated walkway, and these are public. These are public thoroughfares. And these people are obnoxious, and it kills the vibe. And it's it's noisy. So I, this is this is what's behind it. By the way, they've been talking about this since at least 2018. So this has been a this is a long time coming. And I know people are. Well, there was a, the ACLU Nevada sent a letter calling it a dangerous intrusion on civil liberties. So what was the, what was the reaction? Well, the ACLU sent the letter, and a county spokesperson said that the letter would have no no effect, no impact on their on, on any decision to postpone. So they basically told them to to to, to thumb it. The uh, well, the 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 city the city of Las Vegas on Fremont Street came with a came up with a solution, and um, and that is because there. My understanding this predates my time in Vegas, but there was they had a similar order ordinance in the Fremont Street experience, which I guess would be sort of downtown's version of the Strip, and there is 
you know, it's a pedestrian walkway, and so they had all these street performers and all these beggars and everybody out there. It was a mess. So the compromise to kicking them out was to create little little busker circles, and you have to be in one of the circles or you're out. So the you know, so you you have people down there, you know, the usual beggars, the um, and then then fist bump Batman's one of them. The the guy dressed as Batman who's giving fist bumps to people. He I don't. He, he was like he was kind of a classic. I think he might still be there. It's been a while since I've walked Fremont Street Experience, but but I'm I'm telling you, I mean, it's if you're if you are a visitor to the Strip and you're you're going to a nice dinner, even if that dinner is not outside, the last thing in the world you want is to walk by a bunch of people that are passed out on the bridge or that are you know selling overpriced water or selling beers. It's just. It's not what you want to do, and this, by the way, this is uh, funny. I, you know, this is coming up now because I remember when, uh, what was it, a couple months ago, I was down and I was up in San Francisco, and I was surprised, in fact, by uh, along the along the Embarcadero, which you know used to be very kind of natty, and over time has become quite nice, and now was. Natty again. It was just. It was so full of of various like food vendors and street sellers and hustlers, and you just kind of had a had a had to fight your way through walking on these beautiful wide sidewalks that used to just be, you know, clean and 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 not have any obstructions on them, and, and you'd be able to just take in the fresh air from the from the bay, and it'd always be you know pretty windy and. Nice. Anyway, it, it, all that has been reduced to sort of a street fair kind of feeling, and not in a quality way, in a really grimy, nasty way. And so, I, I think you know, we obviously we don't we don't want that on the strip, and so, uh, so we'll see what they say. Uh, by the way, the ACLU said that they would be forced to challenge the ordinance in court. He said, uh, a guy head of the ACLU said everything's on the table. And a guy named Torin Frost, apparently, who is from Seattle, has been performing in Vegas for several years as a freestyle rapper, said he's likely not going to return to Vegas as often if the bridges are shut down. Mr. Frost, I think that is uh, perfectly fine with all of us. Keep the bridges clear. That is what I think. All right, friends, a quick time out here, bottom of the hour. The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. The only law firm to trust in Nevada and beyond, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. All right, friends, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. Be back shortly. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to salmonashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., Right here on News Talk 840 KXNT. So I flew in uh, today, this morning, back from Orange County. I was uh, over the weekend was in was in Newport Beach, uh, and I had an opportunity to go see. I had an opportunity to go see the Nutcracker with my girls. 
our our friend was performing uh, in the role of uh, Princess uh, Clara. So had had just uh, she was just absolutely spectacular. This was the ABT American Ballet Theater uh, uh, company uh, version of this. Um, I I have listen. I, I just have to say this because it, I, I reflected a little bit on my own upbringing, and you know there were the, this particular. Uh, performance, you know, in, in the Nutcracker, there's there are a lot of kids. Okay, there's there's kids, so there's child performers in the Nutcracker, and and then of course there are so, also are adults. But one thing that they all have in common is that these are uh, these are people that are enormously talented, but also have worked tremendously hard at achieving their goals. Ballet, and I say this as somebody who I played the violin for for many years and stopped when I was about twenty twenty one or so, uh, but started when I was six, uh, and and I you know and 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 it by the way it's it, it, hours and hours of playing a violin if you play if you play a violin several hours a day, I mean it's going to screw your body up a little bit, but nothing like ballet. You know these these dancers have their toes are like black and blue. Okay, and they just go out there day after day after day and take you know hours of practice to achieve something. And I think that's the thought that I had as I was as I was watching this incredible performance, and I was seeing kids up there that were are, are younger than my kids, some of them, and I'm. I was just, I'm just blown away by their dedication, and I have to say this too. There are parents still in this world who hold their kids uh, accountable to do something. And I, I, you know, I, and I'll be honest to folks, so candidly, you know, I, I, you know, my my kids dance. In fact, they danced with ABT when we when we lived in Southern California, and, and both my girls hated it. One more than the other, and I I thought a little bit. I actually thought a lot a bit last night about perhaps I made a mistake by not pushing them or making them stay. And uh, and I and I I think perhaps I I might have some regrets about it. I'm just being being open here with you. Um, now why? Well, I can tell you that. There were times in my life when I was growing up that I – there's stuff I did not want to do. I didn't want to play violin. Uh, there were times where I really didn't want to play it, and I wasn't grateful actually for my parents making me practice until I got fairly good because when you get, when you get pretty good at something, all of a sudden – like when you get performance good, you know? Which is where I was. I was performance good. Then all of a sudden, people will come up to you after you you perform, and they'll they'll you know, and then they'll they'll give you accolades, and and that's enormously flattering to you when you're a when you're a teen, okay? And it's the same, by the way, with a sport. It's the same with anything that uh, that where you know it's it's anything that's earned that you've had a fight for, that you've had a work for. You don't always know what you want to work for. Your default as a kid, generally speaking, is to uh, to play and to just have fun and to just screw off, okay? 
at least that was my default as a kid. And and unfortunately, I think my kids, to, to varying extents, have inherited that from me. It's our job as parents to push them. Now, there's an extreme. There's a you can always go too far with everything, right? There are parents that I know that uh, feel well feel maybe that they themselves maybe miss their chance to be a a professional athlete and so they've dedicated their entire existence to their kid pushing their kid to you know to become the next you know great NFL player or the next great NBA player or whatever it is and uh, that's that's a little wild plus a little bit unhealthy because there are only so many slots every year, right? I mean, of of the top shelf, like baseball, for example, I think of the top players uh, that go to college, that play ball in college in D1, there's only a small percentage that ever have a chance at going into the majors. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's a, it's not a, it's a crapshoot. But there is something to be said about Building up your child's, you know, your child's sense of self-worth with accomplishing goals. So I was sitting there with my daughters, right, and both of them had danced ballet, and they literally danced because we were at the uh, at Sigurdsson Hall, uh, Orange County Performing Arts Center. If you're familiar with it, right across from South Coast Plaza. And when we when we lived in Southern California, my girls both danced and and took lessons at the ABT. And it was an intense program. It's a New York-based program. They, the first outpost that they ever opened up was at Seegerstrom in Orange County of all places. And, and they were my, – my girls were some of the first ones to, to go into the program when it opened. And I kind of looked at them, and I said, do you, do you, you, know, do you, you wish you had stuck with it? And they kind of said – they said no, okay? But, but one of my daughters, um, I could tell there was a little gleam in her eye, and, and – she was watching all of these kids on stage performing, and she's a bit of a performer. And I, I, I – let me tell you, she was watching that performance, and she was blown away even though it went – it was a, you know, a late night. She was riveted watching all these little kids up there performing and, and getting a standing ovation at the end. And, and you could tell that a little, maybe a little bit of a, of a pang that she didn't follow through with it. And so I – look, folks, I don't have all the answers here as a parent. Occasionally I talk to you all about this because I know many of you are grandparents and, and parents and have, have either been through this or going through it, have, have, you know, have now you know, grandkids that you have some influence over maybe if you're lucky. And, and it's, it's not easy out there. But in this world, in this flim-flam, you know, just whatever world that we now find ourselves in. There's a lot of talk about you know self-esteem and a lot of talk about about making kids feel their their self-worth and and giving them praise, but all of that is empty. All that is meaningless. If this little human that you're raising didn't earn it on their own, it's so important. If you don't earn it on your own, what happens? Well, it it's it doesn't have value, right? This is the, the whole argument over the everyone, you know, everyone gets a trophy, right? Everyone gets a trophy. Everybody's a winner. The podium doesn't matter, right? First, second, third. 
Everybody's a winner. We're not keeping score. If you don't keep score, you, you never win and you also never lose. Every performer, and gosh, I remember when I was, when I'd play violin and I, you know, again, I, I remember I'd go up on stage. I was fairly young and freezing or having, seizing up and making a mistake in front of, you know, hundreds or, you know, in some cases, uh, a thousand people and uh, just a horrifying feeling, absolutely horrifying. Um, and you just want to disappear. And it's, there's nothing worse, right? Public failures, nothing worse. Losing a big game, nothing worse. But that loss drives you, doesn't it? That loss has a way of teaching you a lesson that no parent, no teacher, no, no adult authority figure in your life can do the same. Because those are all people externally telling you something. When you fail, it's something that you feel on the inside of you, and it's just so raw and real. So I went to this, yeah, I went to this, I went to this beautiful ballet, and we watched our friend uh, Skylar Brandt, who is a, a principal ballerina with ABT, and just, she just did this phenomenal job. Of course, right? I mean, but it, but but it's one thing. Yes, of course, she's talented. But because I know what she's done her entire life from the time she was very little to get to where she is, right? The old Ma Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, right? It's that thing, the idea that if you do something long enough, you practice and practice and practice and repeat, you eventually will get good at it. You'll gain a level of expertise. We just live in a world where people want it. They want it today. They want it today. They want it now. They don't want to work for it. And the first thing that we lose in that, and I'll just end with this, right? The first thing that we that we lose in that is is we we lose, of course, our. Well, we 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 lose the talent, right? People who could have graced us with enormous talent don't because they never tried. But the other thing that we lose is we you know for every person, even if you don't become the principal ballerina, or you don't become the concert violinist, or you don't become the top NFL player or an NFL player at all. Guess what? The process of you trying for that and working for that builds your character in a way that this country desperately needs right now. And that I think is is very true and very essential. So just wanted to share that with you uh, here. Got to take a quick break. But I, I had that – just had that, that – those thoughts come to me yesterday and um, – and and maybe if if any of you have had similar similar thoughts, please certainly let me know uh, because I'd love to hear from you. So anyway, we got to take a quick break. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk eight forty. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Two more polls by CBS uh, related to the presidential race, this time uh, from early uh, contests in Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, interesting results. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. Uh, so, uh, look, this is um, what Nikki Haley in New Hampshire in second place. Trump only 15 points ahead of Nikki Haley. Christie 10, DeSantis 11, Ramaswamy 5. Well, Trump is sitting at 44. 
I'm not surprised, as I mentioned earlier at all, that in New Hampshire, where you've got a lot of establishment Republicans, that Nikki Haley and Christie are doing well. Not surprised. Now, in the Iowa Republican presidential caucuses, right, this is more of the process I was describing earlier, people going in and, 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 uh, and actually talking to each other and having to, having to go over and, 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 and uh, be persuaded to uh, join forces with uh, various – with their respective candidates. Um, there, Trump is at 58 percent. Uh, that's given the makeup of, of Iowa. DeSantis at 22, Haley 13, Ramaswamy 4, Christie 3. Um, I expect a big shakeup in, in Iowa. I'm just telling you, I do. I really do. Now, uh, I want to also mention another thing that just keeps keeps popping up here in various ways, and that's a number of very liberal commentators who are coming up and really expressly uh, sounding off about the images, the video that they've been shown uh, by the Israelis uh, in either a consulate or an embassy around the world detailing the attacks on October 7th. Last week I shared the reaction of Chris Cuomo, who I for the most part find detestable, but he was absolutely spot on in his reaction to seeing the images of Hamas's attack on Israel a couple months ago. The latest person to surface uh, over his disgust over uh, the October 7th attacks is Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport saw the um, he saw he saw the, uh, the the video and he had well this was his reaction. Listen to what he had to say. It is a massacre. It's a- All right, it's not playing for whatever reason. This is not playing. Um, well, it ought to. It is a I'm plagued here with technical difficulties. All right. Well, he basically says he goes. It's a massacre. It's a bloodbath. There's a lot of screaming, yelling terrorists saying Allah Akbar. Well, there's a scene where a guy is calling his father and his mom, bragging about the ten Jews that he killed with his bare hands. He goes on to say there's a lot of dead people. There's a lot of referring to Jewish people as dogs. There's a lot of screaming, a lot of cheering. It's almost like they won the Super Bowl. There's also a lot of really cool parts, like they're going through Gaza and the innocent civilians. They're cheering like the Chicago Bulls just won their first championships. And he goes on to say, they never said, oh, hey, we got our land back, or oh, the occupation's over, now we're, now we're free. There was none of that. This is a good part. That didn't come up because it's funny, because a lot of people on social media, they say, you know, the occupiers and the land and the terrorists are screaming, yelling. The terrorists never said any of that. They never said the word occupiers. They never did that. All you see that is on social media. It's all Allah Akbar and kill the Jews. It's absolutely terrifying. He goes through, of course, some of the parts that are... uh, I can't even imagine, right? Difficult to watch. Now, remember, Michael Rappaport, somebody who said not that long ago, he said that voting for Trump is on the table. This is about a month ago. Remember this? That voting for Donald Trump, this is a guy who, I just have to put this into context, this is a guy who made it his, his brand to rail against Trump. 
Rappaport would do these unhinged videos of himself basically slamming Trump. And so what was it somewhere in the middle of November? He goes up, says, listen, voting for Trump's on the table if anti-Semitism doesn't get under control. See, I think, folks, I again, I think that all of these Hamas protests, and you're seeing more and more of them around. Where was it recently people had to hide in a Starbucks? And the entire Starbucks store got surrounded by the, these, these pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian protesters. And, I mean, I, again, I, I'm not quite sure what, what Starbucks has anything to do with the oppression, quote-unquote, of Palestine. Or of the West Bank, uh, but at any rate, gets around. And and what's the imagery, right? That that circulates for a few days. An incident like that on social media. Everybody watching it is thinking, "What?" Everybody watching it is thinking, "That could be me. I could be out with a girlfriend. I could be out with with my kids. I could be out with my mom. My parents could be in a sim- similar predicament." If any of that happened to, the, I mean, this could this could. This could be a real problem. We could, we we could be hurt, and I'm convinced. I really am convinced that there's a sizable pe- a group of people out there who are so freaked out about all these protests, are so uh, beyond themselves over this activism that is coming largely from the political left, extreme political left in this country. These are people that might just might actually hold their noses and vote Republican, even if it's Donald Trump. Because I predict, I'm convinced a year from now, less than a year, when it's 10 months from now, going into November, I don't see I don't see Biden getting any stronger on this topic. I don't see him, I don't see them going after, I don't see him sending the FBI and going after these students that are chasing uh, Jewish students around campus and, and getting them to hide places. I don't see the I don't see the federal government responding in a way to protect people the way they would if these were other more I guess sympathetic targets to the regime. I think that is I think people are going to notice this. It is going to be a factor if you look at exit polling. I'm telling you, if we go into exit polling in 2024 and we look at what were key influences in how people voted? This is going to be one of them. And I don't see necessarily in the next 10 months. I mean, it's a long time still, but I don't see it necessarily getting any better in that period of time. So keep an eye on this. Anytime you see one of these liberal people, I know Rappaport Jewish. I get it. But not all you know, very wildly left-wing you know, Jewish people are necessarily condemning Hamas like this and are saying they might vote for Trump. If the situation doesn't get under control. So worth pointing out. All right, folks, be back here tomorrow. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe out there. Be um, be well. Enjoy a little remaining sunshine that we're going to have here before the rain comes. And I will be back again uh, 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Sam Berjofsky, The What's Right Show, here on News Talk 840 KXNT.